get to the book of Proverbs. We've been trying to finish up uh, these leftover verses, we might call them. They're really not leftover. Uh, they're part of God's Word and very important. Um, we covered the first 12 chapters of the book of Proverbs, verse, verse by verse. And um, then uh, the Proverbs begin to become much more uh, just single verses talking about things. And so we've gone through the book of Proverbs and I've got about uh, two and a half pages of verses that we need to cover tonight. And if we do that, we'll have everything but the virtuous woman in Proverbs chapter 31 covered. And Lord willing, uh, next Sunday night, uh, we will finish the book of Proverbs. We've only been at this about seven months now. And uh, so... Uh, that is something that uh, uh, kind of looking forward to. And, of course, uh, there is no outline for tonight's message because we're just picking up verse after verse, and some of them are connected and some of them are not. But uh, let's start in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 18. For surely there is an end... And thine expectation shall not be cut off. Now, uh, this is just one of those little verses in there. Uh, and we can uh, actually look at the verse in front of it a little bit. It will help us. We've already covered verse 17 in the past. It says, Let not thine heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. And look at verse 19. Hear thou, my son, and be wise, and guide thine heart in the way. And we take these two verses and kind of connect them here. And again, the book of Proverbs is Solomon instructing his son, trying to give wisdom to his son. We get to the book of Ecclesiastes, and we find out that Rehoboam didn't do a very good job. And uh, that may be because Solomon didn't do a very good job. Uh, but here is what he's saying. He's saying, guide thine heart in the way. Uh, it says, for surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. You know, we, we live what we call detached lives. We do not connect the things that we do today to what it may bring on us tomorrow. I mean, uh, I enjoy buffets, amen? I mean, the all-you-can-eat kind, especially the ones that are good. But you can make some very bad decisions that do have ramifications uh, down the road a little ways, Amen? Everybody know where we're talking about? And this verse is actually the opposite of that. It's saying, as you are making decisions in your life, you've got to understand something. There is an end. God is watching. He's going to wrap things together. And if you make decisions based upon God's Word and what He is doing, your expectation is not going to be cut off. I'll tell you what, I'm glad some people's expectations have been cut off. Uh, I don't know if you've uh, been following, but they have Osama bin Laden's son-in-law on trial. 
And they were playing a videotape of him the day after 9-11 saying, the skies are going to rain airplanes. He was talking about his expectation. Uh, there was a little thing called the United States military that stepped in there and cut off his expectation. He did not accomplish what he had set out his life to do. And now he's basically on the witness stand lying and saying, that was never my intention. I'm a really nice guy. And uh, we'll see what happens. But when you are obedient to the Word of God, guess what? You don't have to back up and say, whoops, I made a mistake. And you say, why do you bring that up as you're explaining? Well, because his expectations were based upon his religious beliefs in his God. There are many people who have believed certain things. And they have failed in those beliefs. You see, a Bible-believing Christian has never helped start a war. They've never gone out seeking to conquer someone. Uh, we, we are accused all the time. You just want to shove your beliefs down my throat. Now, that is not true, never has been true. But we do reserve the right to say, this is what the Bible teaches. And if you disagree with the Bible, we believe you are wrong based upon the words of God. We're not trying to be unnecessarily offensive, but we are trying to follow the words of God. Amen? And the Bible says that what we're supposed to do, that we, we are supposed to live our lives understanding that there is an end. There's going to be a time when things are stopped and drawn into place. And it says, if you are following God, your expectation is not going to be cut off. Young people, when, when I was a teenager, I remember all kinds of things I was hoping to do with my life. And uh, I soon realized that there's no way that I could do all of those things. I remember uh, almost crying one time before, just between me and God, I'd wanted to do mechanical work. I just loved cars and fixing vehicles and things. And uh, my dream was to build my own little sports car, which if I had, I'd probably be dead right now. Uh, but I said, I remember going, Lord, if I'm going to go to Bible college, I can't be spending my money on a stupid car. And so I'll just give up and drive mom's Ford Fairmont. Now, how many of you know what a Ford Fairmont is? I mean, the ugliest most base adult car. There's nothing fun about a Ford Fairmont. And uh, I said, I'll just drive mom's car and, and I'll be good and I'll give this up. And you know what? After I got out of Bible college, I got to do all kinds of really incredible mechanical things serving the Lord. Somebody else was paying the bills. Uh, Brother Clayton was paying most of them. And uh, and. and uh, it, you know, the simple thing is, you have to understand something. God is in charge. You set your heart in the way. Now, 
And your expectation is not going to be cut off. Parents, raise your children in the Lord. And your expectation will not be cut off. I mean, I hope you aspire more for your children than that they stay out of jail. Amen? Uh, I hope that you aspire more for your children than that they just don't, than they just come to church. Uh, I have high aspirations for my children. I want them to serve God with their lives. You start doing that, your children will be excited about what you're excited about, parents. They will love what you love. And they will learn to do the things that you do, whether you teach them or not. You know what? There's never been a a parent that smokes that had to teach their child how to smoke. They just learned it. You like rock and roll music? Let me tell you something. Your kids are going to like it. I'll bet you can't tell what kind of music I like. All you have to do is listen to my kids. And they're, they're playing that music. Why? It's just something... I mean, if I can spend the whole night on this verse, and I've still got two pages to go. So, we need to keep moving. Let's go down to verse 20. Verse 20. Uh... Of chapter 23. Says, Be be not among wine-bibbers, among riotous eaters of flesh, for the drunkard and the glutton shall come to poverty, and drowsiness shall clothe clothe a man with rags. Hearken unto thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. Buy the truth, and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. Now, these are some very simple claims. Be not among wine-bibbers. Those are the people that uh, I was walking in from visitation yesterday afternoon, and I heard some guy, uh, I think he was on his cell phone, he says, well, I'm just going to go get drunk. That's what a wine-bibber is. It's someone who just drinks beverage to... Drink it among riotous eaters of flesh, the party crowd. You know what? You can only pay for the party so long. Some of you lived that kind of life before you got saved. And you know what? You know, the only thing accomplished was make you sick and make you poor. And that's what these verses are simply talking about. If you're going to expend everything you have trying to please yourself, it says, You're going to be clothed in rags. It says, Listen to thy father that begat thee, and despise not thy mother when she is old. You know, God has given you parents. You didn't get to choose your parents. They didn't get to choose you. God put you together. Listen to them. Despise not your mother. I wonder... If when we get to heaven, God is not going to give us a list of all the things that Mama's tears kept her children from doing. You know what? There's a reason. I remember 
calling my mom up when I was a student in Bible college, and I said, Mom, I think I found the girl I want to get married to. And she just started blubbering on the phone. Oh, you're not going to do that, are you? You know what? I'm glad I listened to my mother. Because I found the woman God had for me a few years after I got out of Bible college. Not why I was there. And when I called her up and I said, Mom, I think I found the girl God wants me to marry. She started blubbering again. But this time she said, Oh, I'm so happy. I knew if you waited, you know. God gives your parents to give you instruction. And I'll be honest, my mother was not always the most spiritual woman in the world. But you know something? God gives you parents. Listen to them. I remember telling one young guy, he said, I just can't get along with my dad. We just fight. We just have this problem. I said, listen, how long are you going to be living at home? Well, just another year or two. I said, put up with him. It'll be worth it. You're not going to have your dad forever. And you know what he did? And he greatly benefited. It says, buy the truth and sell it not. How do you buy truth, my friend? Well, number one, don't go to the politician store. Amen? Because truth is moldable there. You can't have real truth that is changeable. When you buy the truth, it's when you accept what is true and put it in your life. That's how you purchase it. You make life decisions based upon the Word of God. You don't give it up. You don't sell out. You don't take the shortcuts. Buy wisdom. How do you buy wisdom? Same way. Put it into your life and understanding. Read the instructions. Amen? Here's God's instructions. The Father, the, verse 24, we've covered, the Father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have the joy of him. You want to make your dad happy. Obey the Bible. Verse 25, Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she that bear thee shall rejoice. You can make your parents happy by serving the Lord. Amen? My son, give me thine heart, and let thine eyes observe my ways. Verse 26, we've covered that. It's not a wrong thing to let your parents make Decisions for you. Uh, I, I never will. Uh, I see, see, have seen that sign so so many times. It's nine o'clock. Do you know where your children are? You know what? That's not good enough. It's not good enough just to know where they are. I want to know what they're thinking. I want to know who they're with, where they are. Say, you're a control freak. No, I passed that a long time ago. That's for the amateurs. You say, why do you do that? Because I want my children 
serve God. We've got five down and seven to go yet. And they're starting in the right path. Now, Brother Marshall, my father-in-law, says you're not done till the grandchildren turn out right. So we're going to be busy for a little while. You say, that takes your whole life. So, that's the best work we can be involved in. Amen. You see, the next two verses are very plain and very sad. It says, for a whore is a deep ditch, and a strange woman is a narrow pit. She also lieth in wait as for a prey, and increaseth the transgressors among men. Let me tell you, there are people out there that want to destroy your children. There are people out there that want to destroy the lives of young people. It says, a deep ditch. You know what happens when you fall into a deep ditch? You usually break things. You know, there are people in the wilderness who go out hiking and they'll fall into a ditch or a hole, sprain or break an ankle like Miss Ann has done, and no one's there to help them. It's a dangerous thing. It says... A narrow pit. You can fall into a pit and cannot get out of it. It's like a tiger crouching for the prey and increases transgressors among men. You can find sin if you want to look for it. You know, I've I've told people, uh, there's been occasions, Hey, can you take me on a tour in New York City? I I want to see all the bad stuff. And I'll sit there and I'll say, you know something? I don't do tours like that. I purposely am ignorant. I don't know where the bad stuff is. I don't want to know where it is. I mean, I could figure it out if I really thought about it, I'm sure. But you know what happens when you go the way to her corner? You're going to get trapped. Stay away. That's what There, there are warnings here. Keep yourself in the way. Amen. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 27. Two verses here. These are verses roughly on the family. The the first set of verses we looked at was the father's instruction to his children, to his son primarily. Uh, Proverbs 27 verses 15 and 16 talk Uh, about a a wife, an unhappy marriage here, basically. It says, A continual dropping in a very rainy day, and a contentious woman are alike. Now, do you think Solomon would know anything about contentious women? I mean, I think he would have a little bit of experience in that category, simply because he did marry so many wives, and, and, and it says, Whosoever hideth her, hideth the wind, and the ointment of his right hand, which berayeth, or betrayeth itself. He that blesseth, I'm sorry, uh, a continual dropping. Uh, how many of you have ever heard the joke, I'm going to dodge the raindrops? As you try to run, it, it doesn't work, does it? It says when you get into a, you 
meet a contentious woman, someone that's just arguing and that it's not going to get any better. You can hide it, but it's like hiding one of those really super powerful perfumes. Have you ever shaken hands with somebody? And five minutes later, where is that smell coming from? That's, that's what it's talking about, the ointment of the right hand. It, it's talking about getting attached to those. Now, some people love those very strong perfumes. I have a very uh, uh, hyperactive sinus system. It just goes into shutdown stage, any real strong smell. And, and there have been occasions where uh, I'm running upstairs to scrub that off my hands so that I can keep breathing long enough to preach the message. Uh, and you can't hide those really expensive perfumes. It just takes a little tiny bit and you can be smelled a mile away, it seems. And uh, the Bible says that if you tried to hide this contentious issue and things, it's, it's going to come out. You're not going to do it. You know, when you're looking for a wife, don't settle for a contentious woman. It's only going to get worse. And, uh, by the way, there are contentious men out there always complaining and griping about something. Let me tell you, it doesn't get better. Marriage does not solve problems. It actually exposes them. Amen? And so, be careful who you choose. And so many people, well, I just thought he would change. Or I thought once we get married, it'd be better. No. Solomon understood that. And he's writing it here for a warning for us. Now, let's go to Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 3. And again, these are just verses dealing with family, family relationships that we have not covered yet in our seven months here. Whoso loveth wisdom rejoiceth his father. But he that keepeth company with harlots spendeth his substance. You want to make your father happy? Love wisdom. Uh, by the way, you want to make your heavenly father pleased with you? Love wisdom. By the way, where do you get wisdom? From God. If you want to waste that which God has given you, then just go party life and spend things on yourself. All right, let's go to Proverbs chapter 24. We're going to be skipping around a little bit here. Uh, miscellaneous verses. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 8. He that deviseth to do evil shall be called a mischievous person. Now, this verse just simply says, He that sits down and thinks about how to do evil things. The word mischievous has almost become a cute word. And they look at a young boy especially. Oh, he's just a mischievous little boy. Uh, wait a minute. That's not cute. Somebody that's always trying to play a trick on someone, trying... Hey, you you got to get that when it's little. 
because it'll be little evil when they're little and big evil when they're big. That's what this verse is talking about. And you don't want a testimony as someone that's always doing wrong. Mischief is wrong. That's the kind of where we get the term misdemeanor. It's not the exact same word, but they're close. And it's saying you devise to do evil. People are going to classify you as an evil doer. Let's stay away from that. Okay, chapter 25. We've got a whole group of verses here uh, that are just, uh, we have not covered. Let's start with verse 12. It says, as an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold, so is a wise reprover on an obedient ear. Now, what it's talking about here is ornaments of gold, ornamentation. And if you want to have a true ornamentation, you can go buy expensive earrings. And you know what? Everybody will stare at your ears. And everybody will say, wow, those are beautiful things. But if you really want to have beautiful ears, let someone that has wisdom give you reproof. You know what reproof is? Reproof is blame expressed to the face. Now, how many of you like reproof? I don't know anybody that does. But when you will take in wise reproof, when you will be admonished, you're going to have ears that are beautiful. Why? Because they're going to help you live. Amen? They're going to keep you out of trouble. It says that they're an ornament of fine gold. They're something precious and beautiful. And, you know, that's one thing that we've lost the art of. We have lots of people who are out there reproving. But they're not giving wise reproof. They're telling you how to be a better sluggard at work. How to, be, uh, how to have more... Uh, time at ease, how to steal cable television programs without having to pay for them. And, and all of these, the world tells you how to do all these things. But wise reproof is reproof based upon the Word of God. When is the last time you measured yourself with this ruler here? That's a scary thing. But the Bible says... It's more precious than an ornament of gold, than an earring of gold. Verse 14. We've all met this guy. Whoso boasteth himself of a false gift is like clouds and wind without rain. How how many rainless clouds have you met in your life? Uh, I remember when I was a kid, we would have... um, it. Look like a thunderstorm moving. You could see the lightning in in the west, and I mean the clouds would get dark, and the sky would grow dark, and man, we'd be running around pulling everything in, and my dad would usually be laughing because he could tell the difference between heat lightning and a dry storm and a real one. 
You know what? There's a lot of people out there that boast themselves of false gifts. The Bible says they're just like rainless clouds. I tell you, heat lightning is pretty cool to watch in the summer, but it's not no fun when there's a drought. Because all it does is start fires. The Bible says that there's going to be people out there like that. Now, let's go down to verse 21. We're going to look at two verses here that go together. It says, If thine enemy be hungry, give him bread to eat. If he be thirsty, give him water to drink. For thou shalt heap coals of fire upon his head, and the Lord shall reward thee. If you want the way Jesus said these verses... He said, resist not evil. If a man smite thee on the cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. If he take away thy cloak, let him take away thy coat. The Bible does not tell us to demand our rights. The Bible tells us to love God. And it doesn't mean that we have to sharpen the knife and hand it to our enemy to stick us with it. That's not what it's talking about here. But what it is talking about is not wishing ill to my enemies. There's a Bible word for that. It's called bitterness. I love Brother Thompson's definition of bitterness. It's drinking poison and waiting for my enemy to die. You know what? You waste your life fretting and hoping for the hurt of others. That's what these verses are talking about. You know what? I can't stop someone from hating me, but I don't have to hate them back. My direction needs to be toward the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what these verses say. And the Bible says you're going to heap coals of fire on their heads. You'll shame your enemies. Verse 25. As cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. I read this verse, and you know what I think of all the time? I think of our missionary letters. You know, how wonderful is it to hear that our missionaries are doing well in Africa, in Asia, all over the world, starting churches. I mean, how many of you enjoyed that news that Brother Hiram Davis had 26 people this morning in his church service? I mean, what a blessing! as they struggled so long with just five and six and then ten, and now all of a sudden it's starting to move forward here. And, and uh, they'll get a couple, two more tithing families, and they'll be totally self-supporting church. You need to pray about that. And they're really trying to step out by faith and, and see God work. Hey, have you ever really been thirsty on a hot, sweaty day and someone bring you up a nice, cold glass of water. Tell you what, there's nothing better. Verse 28. 
Last verse. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. This verse is talking about individuals. It says, just like a city, in those days, if the city walls were not up high, they were not intact, uh, people just lived together in a set of tents, uh, bands of robbers would come in and steal from them, their animals were not protected, the people were not protected. City walls were important. The Bible says if you have no rule over your own spirit, you're just like that, disorganized, unsafe, and in danger. What's that saying? We better exercise some control over our own spirit. And that has so many applications, losing our temper... And many other verses that we've already looked at in the book of Proverbs and in the book of Ecclesiastes and other books as we're studying these, these things in our services. And it just gives the picture here of destruction and sorrow. Nehemiah wept for four months over the city of Jerusalem because it was just in this shape. And God sent him to rebuild those walls and God was give you the ability to build those walls in your own life if you'll just pray. Just a few more verses. Let's go back to Proverbs 27, verse 8. 27, verse 8. As a bird that wandereth from her nest, so is a man that wandereth from his place. And you know what happens when a bird wanders from her nest, when mama bird wanders from her nest? The babies don't hatch. The eggs become prey to the snakes and the other uh, birds and things that would come in there. Uh, A bird does not wander from its nest when she's hatching her young. If she does, the babies die. You know what it says here? As a bird that wandereth from her nest... So is a man that wandereth from his place. Now, how do you know what your place is, my friend? Well, that's simple. You need to be where God tells you to be in His Word. It's not too difficult to figure out what your place is, but you're not where you're supposed to be. Uh, We could illustrate this very quickly. How many of you remember the story of David with Bathsheba? Where was David supposed to be? It was the time that the kings go forth to battle. David stayed home. He wandered out of his place. And people died. And a nation wears the shame of his sin even to this day. Verse 14. He that blesseth his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning... It shall be counted a curse to him. Now, that sounds kind of strange. Why, why shouldn't a friend bless his friend? Well, wait a minute. Why is he using a loud voice? Why does he rise so early in the morning? Have you ever met somebody that did everything right, but they were so obnoxious you just couldn't stand to be in the room with them? 
Some of you have met people like that. Guess what? The rest of you are going to. Amen? Uh, Because the world is full of them. That's what this verse is talking about. Don't join up. You don't have to be Mr. Chipper or or Miss Happy Face every morning. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Why do people do that? Because they're drawing attention to themselves. And you know what's going to happen? Everybody's going to realize you're a fake. I met a preacher one time. He said, Brother, how are you? I was just sitting at the table as a very young preacher, just listening. My wife knows exactly what I'm going to say. She remembers the thing happening. We were somehow sitting there and somebody came up and said, Brother so-and-so, how are you happy all the time? And he had a big smile on his face. He just finished telling this horrendously funny story and everybody was laughing all around. And he got real serious and he said, I just lie sometimes. I don't want to be like that. If it's not real, don't engage in it. That's what this verse is telling us. Amen? So much wisdom in the Bible. Proverbs chapter 29. We got two more verses and then one more subject and we'll be all done. Proverbs 29 verse 5. A man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth the net for his feet. You ever had somebody that just talked really well and they always had lots of praise for everything you did? The Bible says they're spreading a net for your feet. Uh, What are you supposed to do when somebody's spreading a net for your feet? Get them out of there. Amen? Uh, That's how simple this verse is. When someone starts flattering you, when you pick up that it is not sincere and it is not real, get out of there. Because they're going to trap you if you don't. Verse 24. Whoso is is partner with a thief hateth his own soul. He heareth cursing. And bewrayeth it not. I didn't steal anything. But I knew he stole it. And I got a little benefit from it for being quiet. That's a partner with the thief. The Bible says if you do that, you hate your own soul. You know what? No one out here would ever set out to hate themselves or destroy themselves. That's what it's talking about here. But if you are a partner with the thief, if you allow these things to go on, and that doesn't mean that God has called you to go around putting your finger on everybody that's ever done anything wrong. It's calling you not to be a helper with them. Not to be a partner. Not to be involved. Because... It's just like hearing cursing. You know, in a, in a military setting, you'll get sometimes a disgruntled soldier in the group of soldiers. And he'll say and curse the leader and the commander of that group and destroy the effectiveness of the entire group 
by people listening to him. You know how you stop grumbling and complaining and cursing? Excuse me, you got a problem with Brother Franz? Uh, I know where he is right now. I have his number on my phone. Let's call him up and talk to him. You know what? That stops that stuff. That's how you betray the cursing, is you stop it. And that's what this verse is talking about here. Now, our last subject, we got four verses, I think, or uh, five verses here, is on honey. How many of you like honey? Honey is good for you, amen? Let's go to Proverbs chapter 24. In verse 13, it says, My son, eat thou honey, because it is good, and the honeycomb which is sweet to the taste. So shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul when thou hast found it. Then, shall, then there shall be a reward, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. You know, honey is sweet. How many of you have ever eaten raw honeycomb? It it tastes a little weird, but I like it. How about you? It says that is how you have to train your soul to seek wisdom if you're going to get it. Is to make knowledge sweet to your soul. A hidden treasure, a hidden delight. You know, I don't think they had cannolis in Solomon's day. You couldn't just go down to the bakery and get something. The sweetest thing you could get was honey or honeycomb. And uh, I'll tell you what, there, there are a few things still more sweet than a good baklava all dripped in honey and all that kind of stuff. And the Bible says that if knowledge of wisdom will be to your soul like honey, that's where you're going to get the reward. And your expectation, the things that you are planning in your life, will not be cut off if wisdom is sweet to you. Proverbs 25 and verse 16. It says, Hast thou found honey? Eat so much as sufficient for thee, lest thou be filled therewith and vomited. Tell you what, you can eat too much honey. And it will make you sick. Look at verse 27, same chapter. It says, It is not good to eat much honey. So for men to search their own glory is not glory. You see, honey is a picture in the Bible of the sweetest and best things known to man. That's why I said it was a land of milk and honey, the land of Canaan. But this verse here says, uh, the first verse we looked at says you can get too much of it. And it says it's like glory. When somebody comes up and seriously, honestly and sincerely gives you what we call a pat on the back. Isn't that a wonderful thing? When somebody truly commends you for something that you did right. That's a wonderful thing, is it not? You know, one of the greatest things that that a preacher can have, it's called his ordination. That's when you're commended by other pastors to the ministry. 
But you know what? There are some guys that go out trying to make their own ordination. There are some people that go around trying to tell everybody how good they are. You know what? That's not glory. That's not really good. And we have today a group of people that's actually improved on this thing. Oh, that wasn't such a good job. No, no, you, you're too hard on yourself. Am I really? That wasn't... Uh, uh, I mean, it, it just didn't take... I didn't give it my full effort. Wow, you do more with your half effort than I do. You know, people, it's called backwards praise. And there's nothing more sickening to God than that. Don't go trolling for compliments. If God wants to commend you, He'll send somebody by to do it. But I'll tell you what, it'll happen far less than you would like it to. Because He wants our dependency to be on Him and not on us. Amen? One more verse. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 7. The full soul loatheth an honeycomb. But to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Have you ever been just so full that you couldn't even eat cheesecake? Somebody said no. But if you're really hungry, it doesn't matter what food is set in front of you. It tastes good. And you say, well, what is the application? The application is that we, we need to be hungry to serve the Lord. And that's what makes the bitter experiences in life sweet. If we'll let our desires be to serve the Lord. Because there are people out there that loathe to do things that serve the Lord. But if you'll allow, uh, Jesus put it this way. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. There's some bitter things in life. But to the hungry, they can be sweet. And if you're hungry to serve the Lord, He'll keep you from being bitter. Amen? I hope that has not stretched your mind too much tonight. There is no way we're going to get through everything that is in the book of Proverbs. We could spend a whole service on every verse and then start over again and do the same thing. But what we're trying to do here on our son, what, what, what I've tried to do in the past several months here is give you things that can go into your mind and into your heart so that when you read Proverbs in your daily Bible reading, God can bring some of these things back to you. And you can pray about them. And you can seek God's wisdom. And, by the way, keep reading the book of Proverbs. You will never plumb its depths this side of glory. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you, and Lord, we thank you for bringing us...
as a church through this journey of the book of Proverbs and spending some time on every verse in the entire book. Yet, Lord, as I look back over the notes and think about the sermons that have been preached and taught on this subject, I feel like we've not even scratched the surface. Lord, we pray that our time here tonight would be a foundation, a platform, a a diving board, so that we can spring into the glories of your word. That you would keep us faithful in our Bible reading schedule and help us to read and understand your word and bring back to our hearts and mind things that we've covered here that, uh, not, Lord, that we would be satisfied with just repeating what we've studied, but to use them to build and to learn more from, that we could truly order our lives according to the wisdom of your word. We ask you to work that we may glorify thee. And we'll just keep our heads bowed for a moment.